welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me. And Leland, first off, I think I speak for both of us when I say our you know, thoughts are with those who are dealing with the downtown flooding in Stanton, especially those uh, who have businesses that were really, they're trying to recover right now. Uh, downtown Stanton, obviously, over the weekend, suffering some major flooding. It's upsetting. Yeah. Crazy night with the rain. And uh, we actually were watching it on the radar uh, when it was happening and kind of couldn't believe how much rain we were getting even at our house. Uh, we're not that far from downtown. And then when those videos started rolling in of uh, the, the moving water down the streets, it was it was a big concern. Just, you know, we've seen the the bottom there where the bistro is, uh, the wharf parking lot. We've seen that flood before, um, but it's never good. But just the amount of flooding up top at Lewis Creek, uh, you know, Chicano Boy and the Chinese restaurant there and plenty of other business, uh, the pupuseria, the music shop there, the running store. And then sorry for not just rattling off the names, but so many good businesses up there. And that was, it was a real revived area of downtown. Um, and I'm really hoping that area can rebound uh, well enough there. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some community support. I was really happy to see the amount of community support Sunday and, and Monday. And um, it's great to see, you just hate, you hate for there to be a reason to see it that, that way. Yeah. So it's just a tough time. Um, you know, even if your business didn't get flooded out, you're right next to a business that did, or, you know, right down the block from one. So it, everybody's affected. Uh, this affects the entire downtown, whether they're cleaning out their basement or, you know, tearing out floor of their restaurant or, um, or anything. It's, it's just the whole community down there, uh, which is the center of Stanton. It's the heartbeat of Stanton. So really hated seeing that. Um, luckily, uh, our, probably our two most talked about listeners on this show, my mom, who has a business downtown, and uh, Ron there, he has a business downtown. Both of them were able to avoid the direct hit. Um, but I know they're you know, supporting the other businesses and caring, making sure they can get the help they need and, and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, our thoughts are out to everybody and any, any help any of our listeners can give. Um, it has been great to see that uh, GoFundMe. I mean, I was like originally like a $25,000 goal. They, they hit that by noon or something like that. I mean, mid midday, they upped the uh, goal to 100000 and they're well on their way to that. You know, any, anything helps. And, and, yeah. then all, and then really the best thing is when things get back to normal, as, as normal as things are in the world. Uh, but when those businesses are able to open their doors, even if you got to wear a mask or, uh, you know, wait your turn to go in, make sure you support those businesses and uh, spend your money down there. And, and uh, that's, that's an easy way to support a business is just use, use their business. So, uh, yeah, we're thinking about them and uh, we'll continue to think about them. Yeah, obviously, uh, I think you touched on it. It's great. As you said, it's important. I think it's the nice thing about this local community is people tend to rally together and try to help each other out, uh, especially when something like this happens. So glad to see that. All right, let's move the conversation on to active news uh, or, uh, you know, on the field happenings and more regular stuff to talk about. Source drafts, Henry Cook is committed now to Virginia Tech baseball. So congratulations to him. That's awesome. I know there's all kinds of recruiters around the area going to play at the next level. But this news hit last week just with the with thinking about how these schools are operating during a pandemic. So I want to say congratulations to Henry Cook. No doubt. Awesome for him. Have enjoyed covering him play sports. Hopefully we get a chance to watch him his senior year play some things. Yeah. But Go ahead. the recruiting for college sports has to be so difficult right now. We talked to Will Jones from Stewart's Draft a couple weeks ago, and even the recruitment for him to go to IMG was weird and odd, and then much less his you know potential for, for colleges. And he's gotten another offer re- recently, and, and, and at some point we'll come back to those. It's got to be such a weird process, because much less you're worried about the kids you have there. How are you attacking trying to get kids there? It just It's a crazy time for this. Well, the spring sports, and I, I haven't, I don't think this is on 4D sports. I don't think I talked about this, but uh, I have talked with some people in the Valley League, uh, and, and they've touched on this, and some are college coaches that have put it on Twitter, too, with the spring sports. It's nice to give all these athletes eligibility the extra year that they lost last year, and that may or may not happen with fall athletes this year, depending on what happens, but when you do that, you also create a log jam. Like, okay, you yeah. get an extra year of eligibility, but now the people who were juniors are seniors. 
still, they're not going to get a bonus year of eligibility. And good luck. Now you're just not going to play because that senior that you thought was graduating is actually not graduating and they're going to play again. So you're creating a log jam and it's going to be an issue somewhere down the line. I just, you know what? I just hope um, the NCAA finds a way to figure this out. They haven't given me a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to do anything that looks intelligent uh, based on <laughs> the lack of leadership I've seen so far. But um, yeah, Henry Cook going to Virginia Tech for baseball is great uh, for Virginia Tech. It's great for Henry Cook. I wish him the best, and uh, I can't wait to watch him play there in Blacksburg. But as you touched on, it, recruiting, I, I would not want to be a recruiter right now because I, I just don't know what you tell a kid yeah. when, they, when they say, well, I mean, are you going to play or not? And you're going to go into know. family rooms that that range from well, you're the not spectrum going that we talk rooms, about on this yeah. podcast. Like, you're going to talk to the mom or dad that, you know, what is every detail of your COVID um, procedures and how safe will they be? And if this continues when, when he's off to come in there, you know, what's the situation? And you're going to go in a family room that's not going to care one bit about it and probably tell you to take your mask off. Like, it's just, it's got to be the hardest thing right now to walk those lines of where everybody stands on this, knowing that you, you got to, you're going to talk them in. You want to convince them that you are the best place for them and your ideals align with what their ideals align with. It's, it's got to be tough. Let's move on to a uh, listener, prime listener suggestion uh, per Jeff. Uh, he said with Waynesboro coming into the Shenandoah district and the Shenandoah district now consisting of Augusta County teams, Stanton and Waynesboro, should they change the district name from the Shenandoah district to the Augusta district? I, I think it's an interesting idea. I like anything named Augusta. I always have. I, I try to throw it on as many things as possible. I, I guess I'm not, I, I'm not anxious to like, I, I don't know. I, I have never, I never thought about this idea until Jeff brought it up right. into a question for us, but it's not always been called the Shenandoah district that a lot of these schools have played in. Um, I mean, they used to have the district where all the local schools here played each other, where, where, you know, where all the county schools played each other. And there was the county cup and all that, you know, you know, at one point, Riverheads, I know, was in the Skyline district. But I think that was very similar to, to what we have in the Shenandoah or different versions of the Shenandoah. I think like I remember Madison being in that a lot. Um, yeah, but why not? Everything, you know, we're changing sure. names. Why, why, why not? Change names, change names, change names. Uh, you know, at least we're not forcing a change name at least there's nothing inappropriate about the shenandoah name that i know of and <laughs> but you know yeah the name of the augusta county district the problem with that is and the reason that i would probably end up saying nah just leave it the shenandoah is because these cycles go two or four years and we know <laughs> there's probably going to go down from six classifications to four classifications what's the district going to look like then nelson county seems to always be floating around as a team that potentially could come over into this district um, you know, what, if, if East Rock wants to come back in, are we not letting them in just because they're not in the Augusta County? Like, That's right. I, I think, I think if it's, if we don't know, it's going to be something for an extended amount of time, or at least have confidence in that, then I wouldn't change it right now. I just roll as a Shenandoah. Um, and, but maybe after that, this next cycle, and if they do do get into four classification, it's still kind of locked in. Maybe, maybe then I'd be, I'd be down for something like that. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of like you. I, just because of the unknown of who you're going to have in two years in your district yeah. with the VHSL, I maybe wait. But yeah, I think if the VHSL is rumored to be looking at four classifications instead of six, and if they do that, your district comes out, it's still only Augusta County teams, Waynesboro and Stanton, then sure, call it the Augusta district. I will say in the meantime, I want this County Cup thing back. That's cool. I like that. Have it in all sports. Do it but, like I mean, do the, it like the, the Capital One Cup now. or whatever. Nah, but do it like all sports. Be make it like the Capital One Cup or whatever in college, okay, yeah, where we okay. we yeah, have yeah, a point yeah. system for where you finish yep. in the standings, and at the end of the year, the school who has the highest points wins the cap the County Cup. I'm all for that. I love. We that. need to have the unofficial County Cup then. The, okay, the well then you, the Yak Sports Cup. County Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we need to probably research some some uh, some values on how they total this up for the capital one or the commonwealth cup like they've had yeah, yeah, uh, yeah try to come up with this but yeah that's a good idea let's do that um and then we'll get it started we'll be, we'll be the movement all right i think it's right. i think it's just a simple i don't know it how many teams be. we have six 
six, right? We have uh, seven. Seven. Who am I forgetting? Yeah, five county schools and then the two cities. All right. Who was I forgetting? Maybe it was Fort. Probably draft. Sorry, Fort. Sorry, draft. Um, but <laughs> no, it wasn't draft. I knew draft. It was probably Fort. I'm sorry, Fort. Um, but <laughs> let's yeah. We just okay. Point totals we'll look, one through we're, we're seven. Look into it. Point totals Listeners. one through seven, and that's that's what it is. Hold us accountable, listeners. We're going to come back to this, and uh, we're going to figure this out. We have until December 15th to to get this organized and be ready. Maybe. (laughs) Yep. Maybe maybe longer. Let's hope December 15th. Yes. (laughs) Um, Let's look at Major League Baseball. Let's talk about Major League Baseball and this corrupt organization, uh, this cartel that Rob Manfred is running. The Baltimore Orioles swept the Washington Nationals this weekend, even though one of the games isn't officially over yet because the Baltimore Orioles are winning. Therefore, the game's never official until Major League Baseball has to finally concede that nine innings have been played and the Orioles are still in front. Um, it was great sweeping the Nationals this weekend. Uh, I Wow, I they're w- beating the Mets right now 16-4. to four. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is. The Nationals, when they play the Orioles, come down to our level. They never play well against the Orioles. And I don't know what it is. I love it because it drives their fans nuts because, of course, they used to be Orioles fans and they left. Uh, but, I mean, wow, it's great. But we, we looked great after being swept by the Marlins and crushing my hopes. They have come storming back. And uh, it's a roller coaster. I'm not going to lie, folks. And being an Orioles fan is a roller coaster because – the highs are amazing when we're winning, and the lows are just how did I ever believe that this team could do anything of value? So when I see us go out and just destroy the Tampa Bay Rays' amazing pitching staff, and then we get blanked by a bunch of people who just started playing baseball two weeks ago, um, it's really, really hard to understand baseball logic. But then we go out and we play the Nats and the logic of the Nats bullpens coming in and that's our saving grace. And we just rock that pin and win the game. That was amazing. We chased Steven Strasburg. We chased uh, Anibal Sanchez. Austin Voth, surprisingly, of the three starters, was the one that gave us trouble. Again, it's the least likely people that will give the Orioles trouble. But then the bullpen came in. I will say this. Look, and, and I can be guilty of this, too, as I go on an attack of Ryan Willis every weekend in the fall. But I will say, this is the really, really bad part of Twitter. When you're saying stuff, you don't need to tag the people. Like, if you want to say, wow, Sean Doolittle really crapped the bed tonight and cost the Nationals the game, put that on Twitter. Don't, hey, at Sean Doolittle really crapped the bed and cost us, because he's going to see that. He knows <laughs> He knows. He feels terrible. You don't need to rub it in his face. Like, gosh, some people, man. It's sports. All right. You done there? Orioles are seven and set. Well, we're eight and seven. I I am recognizing it as a win. I don't care what Major League Baseball says. You good? You, You get your Orioles talk out? Yep, go. So one of us had an accurate statement last week about the Orioles, and one of us alluded to and danced around and then backed off ever since saying it about you just acted like no doubt you're going to dominate on the Marlins. It's at least a three, a four, likely sweep. Just, I didn't say just likely, casually I said possibly. Going through it. And I immediately jump over you. You didn't guarantee anything. You didn't say ham- hammering on the table that they're going to sweep it, but you just acted like it was just nonchalant. Oh, yeah, we just, we'll take care of that trash team. And, and I came immediately and said, you will not sweep them. You will not sweep them. You will not sweep them. That's, I, that's all I kept saying. I said, yeah, you, you might be it. right. Yeah. You got swept by them guys. Yeah. You got absolutely, de- you got swept. And then by we them. swept you, the defending chumps. I don't care. I was right last week, and you you, you just slide right past it in the podcast. Oh, we're talking about the Orioles. Yeah, but, well, the Marlin swept by us. Yeah, it was disappointing, and. I got to focus on this stupid thing about the game being canceled. That happens all the time. The game gets postponed all the time. Games get revisited all the time. There's rules written in place. Yeah, but this year, this year, the rule was different. It was, it it was the fact that they had malfunctioning equipment on the field. The rain Uh, played a factor. No, if they got the tarp out, they They had had a a malfunctioning ground screw was their problem. Whose ground screw messed up? 
I don't know, man. It's the like Washington that, Nationals. That, that Who's, where there, was the stadium? The tube holding. Where was the game being played? The Washington Nationals. If the Nationals score a single run, I hope we shut the lights off and say Do it's it. a malfunctioning. Cool. It's malfunctioning. I guess we'll just have game. to call the game now. It's over. We win. And you don't get to play the second game. Awesome. Good. Good. There's no rules anyway. Major League Baseball has this rule saying we're not doing suspended games this year. Uh, unless, you know, mm, we saw it happen opening night. Well, unless, you know, mm, I don't know, the Orioles, we don't really like them. We took an all-star game away from them. Uh, we're siding with the Washington Nationals, even though we told the Baltimore Orioles we would honor this agreement if they let the Washington Nationals exist. Now we're going to side with the Washington Nationals trying to renegotiate that deal. Uh, Major so League Baseball envy. does this all the Just time. So much envy. Oh, the Nationals get too much attention. They won the World Series. That's that's why people care more about the Nationals right now. Because they're no the best one. team in baseball last year. Because they did some, They started the season as bad as you last year, but then turned it around and won something. Win something and people will care more. The All-Star the game. Just beat the Yankees in a game. The Just All-Star find game. Just to beat the Yankees in a baseball game, and people might give a crap what you have to say. Look, win, win, Joe. Yeah, and if we win, let me tell you, if we win, it will be three times more hard work than any other team has put in. Because let me tell you, Major League Baseball, in the words of Earl Weaver, Major League Baseball is here for one reason and one reason only, and it's to bleep us and bleep us good. And they're going to bleep us again tomorrow when we play whoever it is that we play. I don't even remember. The Phillies, sure. (laughs) Who cares? They're going to bleep us then, and they're going to try to bleep us every other game because that's what Major League Baseball does. They did steal an all-star game from Baltimore because Baltimore was the next AL park lined up. They had alternated AL, NL, AL, NL. The Orioles' turn comes up to host an all-star game. What happens? Uh, let's go NL again just for fun. Oh, it has nothing to do with that lawsuit that's going on. No, no, no. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles get done dirty by Major League umpiring and the Major League reviews oh and instant goodness. replay more than any now. team in Major League Baseball. You don't watch any other team. I don't need to. I don't see the I controversies. I don't need to watch the other teams. I don't need to watch pitch by pitch any other game to know the umpires are worse to my team than the other team. You're a you're a loud parent in the stands. We never get a 50-50 call. Right we don't get a single 50-50 call from an umpire. And there never, are times where there is a major league review done where it is clear as day they blew the call, and somehow the Orioles still managed to get screwed on the call. And it's not just me. It's Jim Palmer. It's on national television Jim sometimes Palmer, when they're like, opinion. Yep. well, I mean, he's being paid, and he kind of could get fired if Major League Baseball looked down and was like, oh. Who did he play for? Yeah, he Who's played for the greatest team. By? He played for the greatest team in the Beltway. He didn't play for some Canadian transplants, some carpetbaggers from Canada. Lifetime. Get out. Get out, Washington Nationals. Nobody wants you here. Go back home to Canada. Everybody wants them there. All those fans couldn't wait to bolt over there. Yeah, they're traitors. To Typical. a winner. Typical traitors. <laughs> I, just, I just win some games, man. Just shut up and win some games. And if we do... I'm telling you, you will never hear the end of it because we will have had to work hard as anyone, and you yeah. will see it. You'll Everybody see it. Scared. It's going to put – being an Orioles fan is like being the team that plays the Houston Astros every day and knowing that if something happens, your team's going to be the one that gets punished for it because <laughs> the Houston Astros can do no wrong. Just beat the Yankees, man. Just find a way to beat them in a game. I hate the Yankees, but, man, they spank. Oh, I would have loved to beat the Yankees, but what happened? A pitch that's right there in the strike zone is called ball three, so then we have to lollipop it up there for Aaron Judge to hit 700 feet. I know the last 100 years hasn't been filled with bad calls by umpires. They've only happened to the Orioles recently. Earl Weaver knew it. Earl Weaver knew it. Earl Weaver was so right when he told that umpire that he was there for one reason and one reason only. And then that umpire said, you're not going to the Hall of Fame. Where's that umpire? Nobody cares about that umpire. Nobody even knows that jerk's name. He's just another umpire who's terrible at his job. Give me robot umpires. The Nationals didn't have a good week because they got beat by the terrible Orioles who had been swept by the uh, Marlins. They're four and seven in the last ten. They are playing at the Mets and O's. They kind of have the same week they had last week, but this time on the road. Going to the Mets tonight, and they're winning big. And that game's final now, 16-4 to final, and they'll keep rolling. 
And then they'll play the Orioles at the end of the week, including the finale of the last couple innings of that game against the Orioles. But now, you know, in Baltimore. But apparently that means nothing. That's not a break for the Orioles. Don't get that confused. It's Don't not a break because now we have to use arms in extra innings that we shouldn't have to play. I'm sorry the Washington Nationals have the worst ground crews in Major League Baseball. Maybe that's something they should address. It's not the Baltimore Orioles' fault that they had incompetence on a grand scale. That's not our problem. That's their problem. Sorry that your dumb ground screw couldn't get a tarp on the field within 10 minutes. That's a you problem. It cost you the game. Next time, be better. Got to be perfect. Got to be perfect if you're playing the Orioles. Because everything's going against them, but you got to be perfect to beat them. Even though all the umpires are on your side of things, you got to be perfect. Yeah, if you make one mistake, like, I don't know, we, we have a ground screw that can't get a tarp on a field and looks like a freaking clown car. I'd rather play a whole game than not play a whole game. I would rather not waste arms in a season where we're definitely going to have to play more double headers at some point because some team's going to test positive for COVID and get shut down, i.e. the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I don't think it's fair to ask the Baltimore Orioles to have to use more bullpen arms and more pitching to make up for the Washington Nationals being a train wreck of a ground screw. Terrible organization over there. Those rings look sweet, though. Uh, the Pirates, uh, they're terrible. They're 3-13. and 13. They've won one game this month. Uh, Colorado looking good. Oakland looking good. Oakland is one of those teams I was rooting for this year, so I was excited mm-hmm. to see that. San Diego's not terrible. Um, they started out a little better, but have even now that Tatis is getting a lot of play. Everybody's kind of waking up to what Tatis is. Yeah, Tatis is good. Cubs are in first place, but they got the weekend off. Uh, because the Cardinals, Cardinals will not play for uh, that's the two week team. You kept trying to put the Marlins out for two weeks; they were only out for one week. The Cardinals are going to be the two week team by the time they. They played get back. five games this year. At what point do you just have to look and say, "Look, there is no way you're playing this year." I, I don't know. Probably another week, but yeah, I, I think it. I think it has to go like another week. I think they said but Thursday and Friday they're scheduling games right now. Thursday and Friday they're scheduled to play. Right, but they were scheduled to play to today That's up until true. Saturday. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and the Yankees cooled off a bit. So I'm just happy to have baseball back, and that's what I keep getting back to. I, I have two TVs in my family room. I've had baseball at least on the one pretty much. If there's a game on to, to have on, I have it on. And if I can have it on two TVs, I do. It's it's it has. I have enjoyed that. I have liked it. I'm not saying I'd give up. Uh, well, how many millions? Twenty five million. What was it? Was it twenty five million? Eighty five million. Eighty five million. My goodness. I wouldn't give up twenty five million. Um, I'd, I'd give up sports. I, I've said it before, but yeah. I do like it there, man. It, it does. It feels normal. It, I like new information regarding sports instead of watching those old games. Up next on the Exports Podcast, we have Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. My new little fun fact now for every guest that comes on is to say how many times they've been on. This is your eighth time on the podcast, Mike, wow. so we appreciate that. You're working you're working towards that Patrick Hike, Cody Elliott dozen mark, <laughs> but uh, we're going to see what we can do with you. Now, now, with the news of the day, either we're going to have you on a bunch more or <laughs> or not many times more this fall but let's jump into that thanks for coming on with us um so the day began with everybody expecting news out of canceled conference play and, and pretty much probably all the conferences canceling but then the news kind of went full circle today i know the big 10 put out word that their presidents had voted and 10 of the 12 had voted to cancel but then there's been some wavering so it's monday it's nine o'clock at night Whenever our listeners listen to this, there'll be new information by, by then. We can release it at 10 o'clock. There'll be new information. Where do we stand now, and what were your thoughts of how the news traveled today? Yeah, I'll tell you, we spoke with Bronco Mendenhall, the UVA football coach, this morning, and I thought he had a good line. He said, uh, people want to say it's fluid. I don't know if that's a good enough word. He said, I think turbulence a better word than fluid. So it's been turbulent. It's been turbulent since the weekend. Uh, I think the weekend came, and the consensus, was that by Monday or Tuesday, this would be done and, and college football would be shut down. Uh, we'd be debating what the best path was. Do you play in the spring? Um, then Sunday night, you started to have this big movement with the players saying, though, you know, we want to play movement and 
coaches and ADs kind of backing that. And it, it sort of seemed to pause everything. And then you get back today and you don't know which way we're going to go, right? Are, are we Saturday where everything's going to be canceled? Are we Sunday where there's this last ditch effort to save the season? Then we hear the news or quote unquote news out of the big <laughs> 10. And it, it sounds like, okay. And, and guys, the thing is, it's only going to take one big domino, right? If the big 10 cancels, if the PAC 12 cancels, I do believe it's all going to go and, and, and yeah. probably it should go, but nobody wants to be that first domino. So I don't know if the big 10 was more of a situation where somebody was able to get, you know, a read on the room and said, this is the way our presidents are leaning and it leaked out. Or if it was a case where the big 10 presidents say, Hey, we know what we want to do, but we don't want to do it first. Uh, so yeah, today kind of was almost anticlimactic in that we didn't have this, uh, you know, nuclear ending to, to college football. We don't see a mushroom cloud uh, over the college football season yet. But I don't feel any different going to bed tonight than I did Sunday night, or I did Saturday night, or I did Friday night. And that's the Power Five leagues are going to hang on for a little while to try to see if there's an avenue here. And in the end, they're going to realize there isn't. And we're going to be debating what it looks like to play in the spring. So yeah. asking for reckless speculation here from you. Um, but <laughs> do you think that the Big Ten, because I think, and I had seen, and maybe it was something you retweeted or even wrote. I can't remember. I've been reading so many different articles from so many different people on this now uh, over the last week and a half, it feels like. But you you touched on something where nobody wants to be first, but then on the flip side, no one wants to be last either. So it's, do you think this was a case of the Big Ten presidents maybe maybe floating this, saying, hey, we're leaning this way, let's see what happens. And then it got out and they got ripped in half by sports fans everywhere. And then they decided, okay, maybe we sit on this for a few days. Yeah, I, I do get the feeling that I think the presidents are going to make the decision. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think it's going to I don't think they're going to care what fans think or players think. And I don't mean that in a negative way or dismissive way. I think they have more on their plate. They um, lead. Yeah, but I do have a feeling that, that you're right, that this felt a lot like, okay, we know where we're going. Now, when do we want to go there? Let's see what the reaction is. And the re reaction was so negative and so, oh, the Big Ten will forget it. We'll go on without you. I saw the, the meme floating out there with the Jerry Maguire where he gives the great <laughs> speech and he says – who's coming with me. And it yeah. was the big 10 and nobody was coming with them. So I do get the feeling that the presidents probably all know where they're going. And if they're taking any advice or counsel from their athletic directors and their coaches, it's saying just what you said, let's just not be first. Let's blame it on somebody else and say, when so-and-so canceled, it forced us all to do it. Everybody wants to be in that spot, but at the end of the day, somebody's going to have to, and this is where you'd need some leadership. Wouldn't it make more sense if the Power Five conferences came out together and said, hey, we're the Power Five presidents. We met. We don't think it works. We're pushing it to the spring. Now nobody takes that hit. You look yeah. unified, and you look like less of a clown show. Because right now, I mean, it's we've got ODU canceling, but their conference playing. We've got the Big Ten maybe canceling, but Frost and Nebraska saying, well, we'll play games against somebody else. It's just kind of a, a disaster right now. It'd be nice if there was like a national governing body of college athletics that maybe could have made a decision. Yeah. I mean, you got to think too, though, that the NCA is just afraid if they make the decision for every sport other than football, because they don't get to decide the college football playoff. They don't get to decide what those teams do. If they make that hard line decision that, Hey, we're shutting down this fall, that's going to push the power fives to say, okay, we're going to do our own thing. And even if they ultimately cancel the season also, the NCAA doesn't want to have that split from college football. They, it's the old uh, song lyric, hold on loosely, but don't let go. The NCAA is holding on loosely, and it doesn't want to let go of college football. And to use another cliche, they don't want to rock the boat, right? They just want to say, okay, let's kind of work through this together. And, and the reality is you end up having hundreds of different people making decisions here. Um, Bronco Mendenhall, you mentioned same him. With oh, okay. You want to ask this question, Leland? I just no, know how much I was, you. I, I, I guess I had an internet jump there, but I was going to say we hit a similar subject with Patrick Height when the VHSL shut it down because his his primary focus is high school sports. I just want to you know clear up for our listeners at all. Um, you know your media and you you weren't just <laughs> beaming over the fact that 
they should be playing this season. So you must be the media that are against sports being played this year because that's, you know, good for your employment and everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually the reason. If, if they don't play college football this year, if it's not Dan Wolken at USA Today, it's my fault. I, it's, I mean, it's such a stupid narrative. And it's, it's, it fits with the political climate. But, um, yeah, if it was up to me, I would love to play college football this year, but I wouldn't send other kids to, to risk their health. Uh, you know, we're hearing now about the possible long-term impact and, um, you know, you don't want that on your conscience. And, and, and I don't mean negatively, the presidents are worried about long-term liability. Think about what the NFL is going through with concussions and CTE. The presidents don't want 10, 15, 20 years from now, a whole bunch of class action lawsuits because it turns out COVID destroys your lungs or it destroys your heart. Um, and, and these kids have problems down the line, but right now, if you're a coach, if you're an AD, a president, a sports writer, of course you want all this back and you want things to get back to normal. But do you want to be the one who pushes that? And, and, you know, if, if one kid dies because of this, is that okay? To me, it's not. And, And I know people have different opinions to me. If we rush back just because we enjoy college football and one kid loses his life, that's too much for me. Agree. Yeah, and so, okay, touching on that, you mentioned Bronco Mendenhall as well earlier in the interview, and as Virginia Tech fans, Leland and I love to bash UVA at any opportunity, but we both have felt like Bronco (laughs) Mendenhall is maybe the only Power 5 coach that has the proper perspective of, and I think it was today you tweeted out uh, your talk with him that he said sports and football in particular is secondary to everything else going on, and it's just... Kind of like you said, yes, we'd all love football, but football is secondary to health and safety, and that seems to be getting lost in the shuffle. Like, if you don't want football, somehow that means you hate football, and it can't possibly be anything else. And on the flip side, like, I get people wanting football, but again, like, it just becomes this thing of, like, well, almost a binary, well, life and death look how many people this young die from it. And as you touched on, there's complications that we don't fully understand yet. And some of that has been out there. So it's, I don't know. You've talked to Bronco Mendenhall a lot. You've talked to Virginia Tech a lot. You've talked to JMU some. I guess I'm just trying to ask here, what has been your impression with Bronco Mendenhall compared to these other Power Five in Virginia Tech and then JMU for in-state institutions? and their perspectives on it. I I think he's been fantastic. And I think he's been fantastic in large part. Part of the reason, at least, that it stands out is they've been successful, right? This isn't a program that's having trouble and that that they're having positive tests and their quarterbacks, you know, quarantined. UVA and Bronco Mendenhall have a model that's working. They just put out their testing results again today, and that's been a big issue is a lot of schools aren't putting out their testing results. UVA, I think this is their fourth installment of publicly releasing testing results. They have no new positive tests. Uh, So they are having success. So if Bronco Mendenhall wanted to come out and say, hey, we're doing it right, it's safe, we can go forward, I would give him that leeway. I'd say, hey, man, you know, he's on the front line and it's working. Here's a guy who wants to play, who's got his team here, who's going through all the protocols and doing all the things to make sure it's possible. But at the end of the day, he also has the realism uh, and is grounded enough to say, I don't like the way it looks around Virginia. I don't like the way it looks around the country. I don't like the way it looks around the planet. And that's a bigger issue. And he's absolutely right. And I think people have a hard time because we are in this polarized, partisan, you know, political climate where you're one or the other. Okay. You're, it's a hoax and we need to bring football back or it's the end of the world and we can't do anything. And Broncos right smack in the middle where you probably should be. If you want to do anything right now with COVID and with the danger out there, you better be damn sure you're doing it incredibly safely. And he is, but at the same time, can you ever be safe enough? And for his money right now, you can't. So he strikes all the right chords to me, strikes the chords of a coach of an administrator, a leader, of a parent, um, everybody. And I'll tell you guys what's amazing. You think about the movement with the players and you think about we want to play. And so many UVA kids are in the we want to play camp. But there's no rift there with them and Bronco because they can sit and listen and they know he wants to play. 
But then they have that dialogue, and it seems legit that they say, hey, coach is on our side. We're going to do what we have to do, but does everyone else get it done? And, and the vibe coming out of UVA is we're going to do everything we can to play, but we don't trust everybody else right now to get us there. Well, and Speaking- I think I think another thing he mentioned there in the statement today was while they have no positive test results, he touched on the biggest aspect of this whole thing. Once campuses reopen, he's not sure that can be sustained. And this is the one argument that the let them play, I think, makes a good point on when they say, well, if you're opening campuses, then why can't they play football? Because if you're opening campuses, then these players probably are in a better protocol than the rest of campus, which I wouldn't disagree with. But I mean, again, and I I think I speak for Leland here too. I don't think college campuses should be open either. So, because I've seen how that population has behaved. So (laughs) (laughs) look at my alma mater of Rutgers, who, you know, they had just their athletes back. They couldn't handle it. They threw a big old party and and now they're shut down. And yeah, you're right. And, And Bronco brought up that point that, Hey, when the full student body comes back, it's a new model. Um, and so maybe they can do it again, right? They've hit a home run, I would say, with their, their off-season stuff. I think they've done a great job. Can they hit another home run with the students back? Maybe. It's not easy. We don't know. But maybe they can. The bigger issue to me, and, and I think you're right, that it's an interesting topic when you think about Bronco said, hey, some of my players are safer here than they would be at home. Maybe they live in a hot spot. Maybe they don't come from the, the best family situation. Um, but nobody's talking about sending these kids home. They're just talking about not traveling them all over the East Coast where they could potentially expose other people, pass more germs, go in airplanes, all of the things that would violate common sense protocol. That's the concern with football. So we're saying if you can come back and you can do college safely, doing college football safely is a whole nother thing. And I think Bronco recognizes that. It, It doesn't mean it can't be done. But if you act like it's not a separate challenge or playing football on top of going to school um, in terms of preventing COVID isn't harder. That's just ignorant. It is harder. It's a second set of challenges. And most people right now in the know, in the inside, don't seem to feel like it can be pulled off. I don't get that, that automatic, well, if they're not here, if we're not playing football, if we're not, you know, going to a football game on Saturday, they're going home. Like they practice in the spring and there's no season tomorrow. They, they're there all also there's and and it's getting ready for the season and now you're talking about potentially pushing into spring the coaches want them there they want them in the weight room they want those you know and as much control of those kids at all times without a pandemic so i yeah i don't i haven't understood that that line and it just seems shifting the the truth to make it what they want to say uh a moment ago you had a, a little bit of a line in there and you said there's no rift between the players and the coach and at, at uva I thought we spotted a little bit of a rift and then there was plenty of PR cleanup after that when Farley decided he was going to sit out. Then there's this at Virginia tech. And then there's this article where he's talking about how he, how he was concerned about a safety because no one was wearing a mask. Now, since that first day, since that first interview, there's been a lot of nice things said about each other, but I don't think we've ever gotten the, to the full point where he said, I didn't feel safe. And like, I, I wonder what, where was the communication? Where was him going to the coach and telling him that before just saying, nope, I'm out of here? I mean, he can like Fuente all he wants, but I've never felt like that's been satisfied for me on why he went out the door. I know we're kind of past that now, but I want to revisit that with you. You're a little bit on the inside. You might know more than me or know every aspect of it. What, what was your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, the first thing that I think a number of people and, and- – Maybe your audience was a little more savvy, so maybe they picked up on this. But the initial allegations or complaints about safety, they weren't an interview. They, they weren't quotes he gave, you know, where he was talking about something else and it came out of left field. He wrote a personal essay yes. for Pro Football Talk. Those were his words. He wasn't responding to a question, and there was nothing in the form there that he had to include that. He was writing about his whole career. He didn't have to say any of those things. There was no benefit to Caleb Farley to making that up. Now, the the defense or or the the other side of it is you can reconcile everything Caleb Farley was concerned about um, with protocols, right? Because according to Virginia Tech, when you practice in the beam, 
that's what they say. And, and, and <laughs> you know, we, we talked to Dr. Mark Rogers, who's their, their chief medical officer. We talked to Justin Fuente. We talked to Whit Babcock. Of course, we talked to all these guys after the Farley essay, right? It's, if these guys had been out and a little more forthcoming, the, it wouldn't have been the scandal. It wouldn't have been the story that it was. Nobody's heard from these guys for two, three, four months. Then we hear Caleb Farley say, hey, I don't feel safe. I'm going to go to the NFL because I don't think we're doing things right. And all of a sudden, they're ready to trot everybody out on damage control. That being said, their definition of indoor versus outdoor, when they use the Beamer Barn, they say because the garage doors are open, that's their indoor practice facility, when those big outside walls are essentially open, it counts as an open-air facility. You don't have to wear masks. According to the, the, the Department of Health, that's accurate. Now, to your point, if Caleb Farley felt uncomfortable yes. with that setup, there should have been an avenue there to discuss that before he leaves. And I doubt that Caleb Farley is the only person. Exactly. Right? They always talk about that with consumer relations. Like if one customer complains, probably 10 or 100 felt that way. Yeah. So there's got to be a handful of kids who looked around the barn and said, what the heck's happening here? We're 100 deep with no masks. And that's Caleb Farley, the 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 guy either at the top or near the top that Coach Fuente would want to listen to. And I care about the last guy that Coach Fuente, the walk-on that ain't going to make the team anyway. If he has a concern, there should be an avenue for him to have his voice heard. So that's what really did, still bothers me about that whole situation. I'm I'm glad our my favorite school is out of the crosshairs on that, and they, they did enough PR, you know, jujitsu to get out of there. But I, I just, I'm still frustrated with that. I think when I put a lot of the stories from pre-pandemic and Joe's ranting week after week about how he feels about Fuente. And I put that together with like that obvious real life health and safety issue. It just, it makes a lot more sense to be worried about the way I am than just listen to the initial report of the protocol that they released a month ago, but that's all they had. I mean, I'll give them a little bit of credit that they were caught a little bit off guard, but I don't think Fuente's out of the woods. I think a lot of people got Fuente like, hey, this isn't a Fuente thing. This is a, you know, the higher up than him. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Fuente's in the middle of that. And if and if it's not good enough, Fuente, Fuente should be yelling that it's not good enough. Yeah. And to your point, it's the the fact that they were surprised, right? Yeah. If if Virginia Tech was doing things poorly, then Justin Fuente needed to be on the side of the players who felt that way. Um, not surprised that that was at least one of their opinion. And again, I don't believe it's one person's opinion because I don't think you have that in that no. setting. I think, yep. you know, he probably speaks for more people. The other thing that's hard for Virginia Tech is the juxtaposition with UVA, who, you know, <laughs> set aside the fact that they won the rivalry game this year. This is not about X's and O's in football. UVA seems to be doing everything right. They do their testing program. They announce their results. They want to be part of the community, share that information. Virginia Tech claims that they can't release results because of the FERPA and the HIPAA laws. Well, UVA and Virginia Tech are both state schools in the same commonwealth. So it, it makes no sense. There's got to be one interpretation. So it looks like, and maybe this isn't it, but it looks like Virginia Tech is trying to be secret, trying to hide things. Always, though. Well, exactly. And it's part of this building feeling of, your coach is never available. Your players can't do interviews. Your AD doesn't speak to anybody. Now you're hiding your test results. And now the only thing we hear is the one kid who sneaks out of your program has a bunch of bad things to say. It paints a picture that may be much worse than it is, but it's what hurts schools when they're not a little more transparent with their leaders. Um, a follow-up. As a mem as an employee of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, when you're covering Virginia Tech, is it your job to ignore the negatives mentioned by Caleb Farley and just talk about how much he loves his coach. <laughs> right. Of course, that's never going to be what we do. Oh, okay. We're not a PR. I was confused because just the Virginia Tech fans seem to be really upset at you in particular and other writers who just, they felt didn't mention that Caleb Farley loves Justin Fuente as if that was the story. Right. And that's the thing. And that's what's such a fascinating thing about the story is people don't want the truth, right? It, 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 and this is a new thing. Uh, this is uh. like, I grew up in, in New Jersey. I grew up rooting for the Yankees and the New York papers there. If George Steinbrenner fired a janitor, a weekend janitor, we wanted to know why we wanted to know when we wanted to know who were the top 10 janitors who might replace the guy. There was just more of a thirst for, and now it just feels like, Hey, I don't want to read anything bad about my program. And when one of our star players goes out and writes an essay in his own words, it's Mike Barber's fault for 
pointing out the essay was written. Well, I'm not the one who said it. I'm not even the one who interviewed him. He wrote his own words. If you have beef, have beef with Caleb Farley, not the people who were just saying, hey, this, this kid said this. This is important. Pay attention. But he made the right call. We all agree with that. I mean, he made the right decision for him. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is clear. Yeah, I think he's first round material. And, and yes. I think if, if you're in that, if you're in the top three rounds this year with, with the uncertainty, with the danger, with the fact that you may not be playing, um, if you're in the first three rounds and you're a lock, I think you go. Uh, yep. You know, maybe that's a, a separate topic, but um, keeping yourself safe, but also what do you stand to gain for hanging around to find out that you're not playing? Um, moving on to my alma mater, uh, Leland and I talked about them at length last week. So I'll just ask you, uh, we're getting conflicting answers as to why fall sports didn't work out, or, or I guess just one fall sport in particular, but Jeff Bourne comes out today. They were trying to play the other ones? Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Bourne comes out today and says fall sports have been canceled be- for health and safety reasons. And they just didn't think after looking at all of this financially that it was going to work out. Um, which that's fine. That's a valid reason to not have fall sports in my opinion. But then you see earlier in the weekend, uh, Kurt Signetti answer a tweet from someone that the reason they didn't have football is because nobody at any level would agree to play them. And then Kevin Warner, the assistant AD retweets just confirmed, uh, as if, uh, again, uh, the idea that Jamie was going to play an independent schedule was stupid to begin with, but, can you explain why it's difficult for someone like JMU who's FCS and when you look at the power five conferences at B the big 10 conference only SEC conference only Pac-12 conference only big 12 yes but West Virginia is the only one in driving range and that's a stretch um and then Virginia Tech uh not going to play an FCS school because they only have one option and UVA who went with an FCS school, went with one they already agreed to have on their schedule. Yeah, and I think this is a case where everybody can be telling the truth, right? Like, I, I think Kurt Signetti's right. JMU was trying to find a way to make it possible to play when their league decided they weren't. Uh, they were trying to keep their irons in, in the fire, so to speak, say, okay, we'll play whoever wants to play us. Now, the problem is the, the sort of connotation of nobody wants to play us. Mm-hmm. The connotation of nobody wants to play us is, they're scared. Nobody wants to take on JMU. And certainly it's been a great program, but that wasn't the case here. This was logistics. This was contracts. This was mostly power five conferences, as you just recounted for the most part, going conference only or conference plus one. A lot of those schools sticking with their existing contract. So the idea that JMU is going to be able to fill out a 10, 11, or 12 game schedule that way just logistically, it wasn't going to happen. Uh, so when Kurt Signetti says nobody wanted to play us, he's right in, in that nobody could make it happen. Nobody could make it work. Um, the connotation that people were ducking JMU is a little silly. It, it's just there's so many moving parts right now. You weren't going to go out and suddenly find. I mean, you know, now there's spots, right? You think ODU said they're not playing football, but their conference well, but said we're going to go ahead and try. That's one of the schools that so, JMU kept touting. Like, that's one of the ones we can play is ODU. Maybe ODU didn't right. play and, you because they were playing on not playing at all. Exactly. So everybody's got a reason, but now maybe could they slide into ODU's spot? So there's there's just a million hypotheticals, but at some point you have to stop chasing these hypotheticals when you realize that there probably isn't going to be a damn season anyway. So you're going to drive everybody crazy to try to put together a 10-game schedule to fit in every little hole, to move the dates around. You're going to do all that. You're not playing anyway. Uh So again, I think everybody's telling the truth here. I think JMU was hoping to take a shot at the dark and see if they couldn't put together a schedule. So if that's the best route, they would play it. And I think because of the uncertainty and some of the other contractual obligations, it just wasn't going to happen. So, so Virginia Tech, just I'm sorry, Leland. I just want to confirm Virginia Tech, UVA, UNC, NC State, Duke, uh, Duke for that matter. Yeah. Um, These schools aren't scared to play JMU. It's just a logistics thing. Well, as far as I know, I mean, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech has got the bad history there. They've got a, a scheduled game coming up with JMU. So, yeah, I don't I don't think anybody's ducking anybody. But again, you know, JMU is a strong program. And if we were having yeah. a normal season, there are programs that would be ducking JMU. There are programs that would say, I don't want that to be my FCS game. They're too well, like, good. Wait. 
But <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of them that don't want to be pushed in their FCS game to that level. Uh, but that's not the case right now. What's the case right now is it's just a logistical nightmare. Ever saying everybody is telling the truth is a lot nicer of a way to say to talk about this than what I did earlier in the podcast. But to get you out of here like we normally do, um, what have you been binging? We haven't talked to you since really the beginning of all this, and uh, this certainly isn't the end of all of it. But you've had to have a moment or two, a moment or two, where you could binge something or watch something that uh, that you've uh, recommend to our audience. So what would that be? Yeah, so the baby actually started sleeping, so we've been able Ooh. to watch. Yeah, we've been yeah, able to watch. Yeah, you can watch stuff again, yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> and you're right, a lot of nights are spent working and staring at Twitter, hoping that the bottom doesn't fall out of this thing. But uh, we watch both seasons of The Umbrella Academy. I really enjoyed that. Uh, that's on Netflix, the superheroes. It's a, a little different, but but I enjoyed it. Um, and we watched a really good <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen, the guy from Borat, uh, did a, a mini series called The Spy, um, based on a true story about a Israeli spy. Um, I thought that was really good. So I would recommend both of those. And, uh, you know, it, we've actually watched a good amount of television and, um, it's nice to just sort of unplug from sports for a minute and watch something totally different. Yeah. I, I, we had that. I, I don't know if I would say it was nice for me, but <laughs> I was really, I've really been really happy with baseball back. I've had it on the TV as much as possible. Um, yeah, I've, I've missed it. I guess I, I probably would say the opposite of that. I'm really happy sports. Some sports are back. I wish more could be back. I wish the world was in a place where we could have it. So yeah, I've, I've enjoyed having the Yankees back. That's quite a lineup. Yeah. I enjoy watching that. And I enjoy watching people. Joe likes that it. too. Yeah, and I enjoy watching people throw at the Astros. So the yes. more people that want to throw at the Houston Astros, I'll tune in every night for that. Well, typical Major League Baseball to show the difference in rules. When the Yankees are beating the Nationals, we'll call it a game. But when the Orioles are beating the Nationals, we got to resume it later. Typical Major League Baseball. <laughs> hey, you get to do it at your own stadium. There you go. Let's see it worked out in your favor. Yeah, and if the Nats score a run, I hope we shut the lights off and call it a malfunction so we can play it later. <laughs> hey, whatever gets us through, right? Yeah, we'll schedule it right after Max Scherzer pitches because that's who they're going to probably try <laughs> to throw in this suspended game. Pick All right, right, well. Pick up right where you left off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, we enjoyed having you. Uh, we'll get you back on here soon. Uh, thanks for being a part of our 100th podcast the other week, but uh, we look forward to having you on for the ninth time. That sounds great. When we hit 10, I some kind of a pin or a watch or a beer. <laughs> <laughs> beer sounds most likely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Again, thanks to Mike Barber for coming on and talking to us. We really appreciate it. Again, I know the last two interviews we've had have been lengthier interviews for us, but uh, I think I speak for Leland when I say we've we found the information in those interviews very valuable and much better than anything that Leland and I could say. Yeah, I bet our listeners are are happy to hear another voice on the show. <laughs> Maybe. We've been rambling for months. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I think it's important that they know, and if they're Orioles fans, they already do know how Major League Baseball tries to bleep us all the time. But Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure they want to hear more about um, the intricacies of a Power 5 conference on playing or not instead of the 51st best Billy Joel song. So. That's not true. They, <laughs> they are dying to know what the rest of that Billy Joel list is. I can ah. tell. Um, I get the private uh. texts all the time, believe me. Everyone's saying it. Anyway. Believe me. Anyway, let me get to, uh, well, now you go first. What's dominating your life, Leland? What is dominating my life? And I already referenced it uh, a good bit, uh, but I have as much baseball on these TVs as I can have on in this house. I am following, I'm watching a lot of random games. I just like the live new sports that I care about, that I've always cared about. I like them on. I'm just kind of gotten back to my roots in, these, in this last week. I've had baseball and or office on just constantly in the house it's uh, when i'm home it's been great i i missed baseball being on and then it just to have like the national pastime on and on the tv when there's only one game on or or we need to not have baseball on the main tv it just seems like if we're going to have the national pastime on we need to have the office on we need to have the new national pastime and that's watching the office on and it's it's been great and um some of our close friends, just the interaction about office quotes and we have a text chain going. We're basically the only thing we say to each other is just a quote from the episode that we're on. 
we don't say I'm on season two or whatever. No, it's just a quote from in that show. And it, it's just, it makes me happy. You've gotten some of those texts from me. You don't get all of them, but you've gotten some of them too. The ones that make me laugh the hardest you've gotten. So I just, I'm returning to my roots, you know, no new advice this week on what to watch. I suggest everybody get back to watching baseball. And if you haven't watched the office yet, just, just watch it somewhere. If you watched a little bit and you didn't think you liked it, try it again. Cause it's so funny. It's so funny. So good. Yeah. Um, despite you saying I don't watch anyone other than the Orioles, um, I have been watching and staying up to watch the West Coast games. It's been part of the reason my mornings are so difficult. Um, I watch you watch of- my, you watch them Padres. The Padres haven't been on national TV a lot, at least when I've watched. I've seen a lot of Giants Dodgers. I've seen a lot of. Yeah, I saw a couple Angels games. I did see yep. one Padres game. I was going to say, I think I've only I saw seen the one. Dodgers Astros when they played. I watched those. Um. Oakland's been on there a touch too. Yeah, a skosh. Um, I've I've watched some Braves Phillies when the O's aren't playing. Uh, this weekend I watched the I watched a little bit of um. Who was the team that played? I don't know. The Mets played somebody. It wasn't the Nationals. I can't remember who the Mets were playing, but I watched a little bit of that. Um, speaking of, I did find it absolutely hilarious <laughs> that Marcus Stroman gets in plays enough to get that service time and then opts out on the rest of the season for the Mets. So he's going to basically the Mets got traded players for 11 days of Stroman. We talked about a, a weird, a weird run organization. And that, that those Mets man after last week with uh, Cespedes, it just, it's a weird operation up there. What is dominating my life is uh, the same thing that's been apparently dominating Mike Barber's life, the Umbrella Academy. Now, unlike him, I haven't finished season two. I finished season one, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, maybe. And then this last week, I'm about halfway through season two, bits and pieces. Uh, Probably need to go back and watch an episode. Um, But it's okay. It's kind of weird. I don't know. At this point, I've only got one more season. I've only got <laughs> five more episodes. Yeah, I've only got five more episodes to finish, and then I can reevaluate my decision. But the first season I actually kind of liked. The first season I was kind of in. And then it kind of just ends, and it doesn't really have a nice ending, in my opinion. And I'm just like, okay. And then season two starts back up, and you're like, all right, we're doing the same song and dance again. And I don't know. It's starting to lose me. I hope this. I hope the close of season two is good. Mm, I just. I don't know. Mike Barber said he loves it, so maybe it gets better. I don't know. <laughs> the funny thing about Umbrella Academy for me is that I had no idea what this was like a week ago, and then all of a sudden it's on my Netflix account, and I am like I have a Leland uh, Netflix name. I'm not the only one on that on the subscription there. So um, I, I'm not going to get into the details of that. Say careful. Yep. So all of a sudden umbrella Academy is, you know, my first choice for continue watching. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I guess my, maybe I hit this or something. And I was like the first or second episode. I was like, eh, maybe I hit it in my sleep and it went running, you know, from the office. So then the next night it's like episode four. And I'm like, what's going on? And Oh, and also the night before all of a sudden I have to turn the, close the captioning off i'm the words are at the bottom of the office i'm like well i don't need to know what i know what michael says i don't need to have read it too and then the next night the same thing the next night same thing so i start calling i start accusing everybody that has any association with this netflix account and i'm pestering family members i'm having them question their offspring i want to know i want to know who's watching netflix on my account because god forbid someone get me off track on the office or, you know, have a show that I don't care about, you know, messing up my logarithm of what's going to get recommended to me. Yep. I, I got some problems. Well, turns out it gets established that uh, a non-family member, potentially in another state, a uh, friend of the family that I don't even know is potentially the one messing with this. And basically my response was, oh, it's somebody I can't control. Then I, it's fine. That's fine. I'll deal with it. Like when it was somebody in my family, when it was somebody I, you know, break bread with, yeah, that's okay. We have a problem. I need this fixed. If it's the middle schooler uh, niece, I got to get all over her. But when it's, you know, a friend of a friend down the road, okay, that's fine. I'll deal with it. I no, no big deal. 
So I basically, I think I just wanted to abuse my family. That's what I, I think I've learned something about myself in the last week. A, I just want to have any opportunity to yell at my family that I can. And then, uh, Number two, the funny thing on Twitter that I found out about myself is they talked about the Commonwealth Cup with a new schedule for uh, Virginia Tech and UVA playing each other in the second week if there were to be a season. And people started talking about, well, you know, if the season starts and they play each other, but then the rest of the season gets canceled, does that count? Does the Commonwealth Cups then stay with the team that won it? If it's if it's Blacksburg, does it stay in Blacksburg? Or And I said, I basically got to the point of, I don't care one way or the other, what the decision is, as long as it's not in Charlottesville. I'd rather UVA not have the Commonwealth Cup than Virginia Tech have it, is what I learned about myself. I oh, generally am a fan wow. that I want, I'd rather my team win than root against another team, and I think I'm consistent with that. But just when it comes to this rivalry for football, and especially after what happened last November, I'd rather UVA not being the reigning champion of this rivalry game than us actually be the champion of this rivalry game. Because I just... I can't, I don't like it. And I'm, I, that's probably my number one reason for wanting college football, other than the enjoyment of college football is just so we can beat UVA and get them to shut up. Wow. Okay. I don't know. And the referees are against us. I don't know what to do with that last part. Um, (laughs) I'd say our head coach is against us, but I don't know. Um, Yeah. I just find it fascinating. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there because you went with your Netflix thing and it sounds like people like you are going to ruin what my family's doing with Netflix um, eventually. And um, let's talk off air. I want to know like how the decks have it right here that the McCrays don't <laughs> friends. That's of, fine. Friends of friends don't have the password. We'll just put it that way. Well, I um, can't control the middle school kid on who she gives the password to. We changed the passwords. Um, but Passwords have been changed due to uh, siblings' relationships. Status is changing. So, um, yeah, um, that's not something new. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you should try Umbrella Academy. I'd say if you're not into it by the first two episodes, probably not for you. But I don't get the – I don't – I'm surprised that the guy – that says the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, what is that a superhero is now I, trying to talk me into watching, isn't it X-Men or something related to X-Men? It's kind of X-Men ish. Uh, yeah, it's not related to me. X-Men. Not it's not related to the actual X-Men characters at all. It's just a family of, I have mutants, Barbara talks. Mutant people. Oh, they just have superpowers. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to get me. Maybe not. That's fine. Um, okay. I gave it a eh, and Leland's saying no. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you've led with, you know, it exists, and now you, you should try it. It's I'm not good. even my favorite thing that I'm watching right now, to be honest. It's just my favorite thing is the world's most wanted criminals or something, which I felt was a little dark for this podcast, um, given given just you... how dark we've been already this episode. <laughs> most episodes for you. Uh, All of a sudden, there's a standard to uphold. Yep. What do you know that we need to know? Because I don't know anything other than the world's most dangerous criminals is actually really good. If you like true crime I, stuff. I think I know there was an earthquake Sunday morning. Oh, my God. I woke up shortly after 8 o'clock. We had stayed up late the night before with all the rain videos on Facebook. And all of a sudden I was awake. And, I, and this isn't something I've really claimed a whole lot. I just I did feel weird when I woke up and I felt like I needed to be up. And I think it's that uh, that dad mode kicked in, like something didn't feel right. And so I was awake and I had this weird feel and this weird energy in me that I needed to be up. And I did. I like looked around the house. I didn't I don't have understanding that there was shaking going on or anything to reference. So like when my friends started talking about the earthquake, I didn't really claim any of this. I just I just remembered it once I did hear those earthquakes. I was like, oh, yeah, I felt weird when I woke up. I wonder, you know, not not like shaking. I just had like this weird feeling. I wonder if my senses kicked in. but. We had an earthquake and a, a decent 5.1. I and mean, that's a that's a decent size for this side of the country. I was going to say we're getting real loose with we Spartanburg, North Carolina had an earthquake was the we epicenter of the earthquake. In, I mean, my, bro- Leland, my brother-in-law felt it in Lenhurst. My neighbor yeah. across the street felt it. 
Leland didn't feel it. Leland woke up because I was still screaming and celebrating the Orioles' comeback win over the Washington Nationals the night before. That's all that happened. And cheering against them and the umpires. But Yeah, um, we had to work really I, hard. We did. Two previous earthquakes we've had on this side of the country. I did feel in college in 2003, fall of 2003, we had one. And I was sitting there playing NCAA football, and my chair started shaking. And I went out in the hallway, and everybody was like, what the heck's going on? That was cool. And then the funny one was, uh, oh, I don't even know what year this was. It had been around 2010, 2011. The one we had that was centered in Nelson, in uh, um, Mineral. Mineral. Uh, that one I felt. But that morning on the job site I was on, we had hit a gas line. And so all oh. the rescue squads, all the fire trucks came, the gas company came, they came, shut it down. Everything was fine. This, and so then early afternoon, Things are kind of getting back to normal. I'm back in my job trailer on the site trying to get some work done. And all of a sudden, I feel this shaking. And I looked out the window wondering if I was about to see mushroom cloud exploding towards me or something like Lebanon uh, business there. Like I thought this is something crazy happening. And uh, it thankfully wasn't. It was just that earthquake that knocked over that that poor little lawn chair over in Mineral. So, yeah, I have felt earthquakes before. Um, I, hey, that I'm earthquake damaged I the Washington was, Monument. Have some respect. <laughs> I'm not claiming I really felt this one, but I do have to wonder the way I felt when I woke up if if my senses uh, took over for me there. So I was trying to protect the family. I didn't feel this <laughs> one. I, I don't think I've ever felt an earthquake, trying to think back. Um, I did feel a, uh, two explosions in my life. One was in Warren County when I was really little. There was one. That kind of startled things. And then there was another one that was much closer. It was in the sub uh, two subdivisions down from uh, me in high school. And that was basically because a guy blew up his house. Uh, he was going to lose it in the divorce and said, if I can't have it, no one can, which was an interesting Jeez. strategy. Not only did he have to pay for his house because insurance doesn't cover it when you do it on purpose, he also had to pay for everybody else's house that got damaged. Did did he get invited to a different house? You know, uh, he survived. With many other people. He survived. He was also planning on not surviving this, and he survived. Oh, but then did he go to prison? Is I guess where I'm asking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Surprise! He could not afford millions of dollars worth of damage. I figured he got the invite to the concrete with bars house, so mm-hmm. eh, that's justified. All right. Well, it's Great been show. your podcast. I've yelled at Joe in this podcast, which was fun for me. I'm gonna try it more often. So make sure you subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify to make sure you don't miss me yelling at Joe because it's fun. And then also interact with us. If you want to yell at Joe in your own way uh, through 150 characters on Twitter or how many other characters that you have now, it's at YaksportsPod. Same for Facebook. And then also emailing us at YaksportsPod at gmail.com will also get uh, you in contact with us. So make sure you tell your friends to listen, interact with us, and uh, come back next week and listen to us more, talk about hopefully some more baseball and probably the end of uh, college football for the fall season. Yeah, come on and tell us how great Rob Manfred is. All right. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.